0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. This is episode number 16 of Day to Day with Ben Lewis. I am your host, Ben Lewis, and we have an extremely special guest in the building tonight. And this is going to be big, to say the least. He is my own father, the man that made me exist. He is the reason for the season, and this is his first appearance in a long time on The Public Waves. Here he is, Mr. Ken Lewis, my father. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. It is an absolute honor. I have decided uh, to speak publicly for the first time in in over five and a half years. And although I was uh, offered several thousand dollars by the Ingram Angle, Sean Hannity, uh, Hannity and Combs, Rachel Maddow, and the like, I have decided that I am going to be heard tonight for the first time in five and a half years on The Prodigy Show my very own Ben Lewis. Honored to be here.
0: Well, we're happy to have you and we got a lot of important topics to cover. A lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, We've lined everything up. We're happy to have flown you out from Pennsylvania on the day-to-day jet. And uh, what can I say? Let's dive right into it. Let's do it. We've got a, a lot of topics to talk about. Like always,
1: Every day in the world seems to be worse than the day before, and that's been a phenomenon over the last several years, uh, probably started in the year 2000 with uh, George W. Bush being elected into office and deciding that he was going to engage in all these foreign wars and based on the apologist Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, it allowed other presidents to be elected that succeeded George W. Bush that were progressively worse until we've got to where we are today, where we have somebody uh, wearing the pens in the White House and a hostile situation right now between Ukraine and Russia, a powder keg where World War III could erupt any day based on what we've got going on. So it is imperative That we be heard and the people of the United States of America be heard, voice their opinions, band together, and we begin right here on this podcast tonight
0: to take back America. Yes, the world is no doubt deteriorating at a rapid rate and we're here to hopefully spread the good gospel and take it back. Uh, so let's, let's dive right in, but I want to start off by saying and commenting on what we're sipping on uh, during this episode, and that is none other than the Pappy Van Winkle 10-year, which you somehow managed to acquire. Uh, y- whoever's listening, you don't have this, you've never tried this, and if you say you like bourbon, uh, this is about as good as it gets. So uh, how did you acquire it, Dad? Well, it wasn't easy. I
1: I had to call in some markers. I told them I wanted to be on the show. I told them that we need one of the best bourbons in the world to entice me to come on the show, to sit here, to talk to members of the putrid American public. And uh, Pappy Van Winkle was handed to me and said, we want to hear you. Take this bottle down. Share it with your son. Now, of course, we in no way condone alcohol or alcoholism we recognize that 90 percent of the american public uh the listening public today are alcoholics that they are sitting there in their basements or in florida they're sitting there in their air-conditioned sunrooms and they're consuming bud light miller light Coors light or the like even though they have guts 80 to 100 pounds between their nipples and their belt line. So that is part of the hypocrisy of America that we're gonna get into tonight. But we are very fortunate that we have some of the best
0: librations in the world here in a 10-year-old Pappy Van Winkle. Absolutely, we're very fortunate and thank you for bringing it aboard. So, Diving right into it. Now, I gotta hear, and the, the listeners gotta hear, I've actually already heard this story, but when I heard it, I said, you know what? I said, the fans have to hear this. It is one of the most hysterical and horrifying uh, simultaneously, stories that I've ever heard in my life and it happened to one of your close friends, uh, Mr. Brian Bird. Uh, shout out to him uh, for allowing us to speak of this and tell his story and what happened at a Zoe's kitchen in Orlando, Florida just a few short days ago uh, Dad go ahead and dive in and dissect it and let everybody know what exactly transpired. I want to give a giant shout out to Lord Brian Byrd. Brian Byrd is my
1: law partner, he is my confidant, he is one of my best friends, he is a patriot, he is the type of American where we had Americans like Mr. Byrd when they were founding fathers and we founded this country. So everybody should reach out to Brian Bird, and that's B-Y-R-D. Uh, Brian Byrd called me up in a state of hysteria. It was approximately 1,424 hours Friday, February 19th, 2022, which was this year, and I basically had to pull over on the side of the road. He told me to pull over on the side of the road. I was driving down to Asheville to visit Ben. I got pulled over. I stopped, and Brian Bird told me a disturbing incident. He said, quote unquote, I have been robbed. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take you to the scenario of uh, of Lake Mary Boulevard. Lake Mary is a sleepy bedroom community in Central Florida. There are a massive amount of cookie cutter homes. Everybody's home looks exactly like everybody else's home. The only restaurants available for food consumption are like Central Florida is famous for chain restaurants low-grade chain restaurants and brian bird needed sustenance to survive on this friday so he with his girlfriend pulled into the parking lot of the chain zoe's kitchen i have never myself eaten at zoe's kitchen i have driven by it numerous times um I don't know how it advertises itself. I don't know what the specialty in Zoe's kitchen is, but I will tell you this, that Mr. Bird was taking his woman out for a fine meal on this Friday midday, and they stumbled upon the counter and ordered, and Mr. Bird likes his chocolate chip cookies. He likes to finish his meal up with a nice dessert, and he put a chocolate chip cookie on his tray. He then ambled over to the drink station with his order, with his food and with his cookie in hand. Now he put his cookie in hand down on the counter to fill his beverage cup and much to his dismay when he turned around he saw a shadow turning around and he noticed the exact spot where his cookie was. There was cookie no more. He called out and he caught the attention of this woman. Now, race had nothing to do with this at all. This is a man, an honest man, who paid for a cookie, who paid for a meal, and noticed that his cookie was gone. The cookie was stolen by this woman. This woman happened to be African American.
0: As to be politically correct.
1: Yes, African American, a term that was founded in 2005 in this country. And is now the term of choice, even though our pledge of allegiance says "one nation under God." But uh, again, that—that that of course, like everything else, near and dear to this country, has changed, and we have a situation now that has taken place because Mr. Bird says, "Ma'am, you have my cookie." Now. The woman is three feet from him. He sees the shadow. He sees the woman leaving the location, the last known spot of this infamous cookie. And at that particular juncture, he turns around and he sees this woman. And in this woman's right hand is nothing other than a chocolate chip cookie, which she did not have in her hand when she ambled up to the location of Mr. Bird. So Mr. Bird did what any red-blooded American would do under these circumstances, yet what few Americans, because we now live in a country of sheep where people don't speak out for their rights anymore. But Mr. Byrd said to this woman, Ma'am, you have my cookie. And her response at that particular time, with the cookie in her hand, was not to say, I'm so sorry, I thought you abandoned the cookie, the cookie was laying there. I didn't realize it was your cookie or some misunderstanding. The beginning of an apology. Did any of that take place? Absolutely not. Why? Because this is 2022 in the United States of America, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what everything is? Everything is a race issue. So what happened? What were the words that she uttered? None other than, you're racist. The bud word. The most utilized phrase in America today, where most Americans don't even know what what being racist is all about. They don't know the history of this nation. They don't know about what discrimination is. But they throw this term around every chance they can. And in this juncture, Mr. Bird became the bad guy, the accuser, the problem. And remember, it was Mr. Bird who had his cookie stolen. So what happened next, you ask? Well, Mr. Bird did not back down because Mr. Bird is, as I said, the last vestige of true America. And he said, ma'am, I don't care what you say. You have my cookie. I want my cookie back. Well, this woman again doubled down. You're racist. I'm not gonna have my cookie. Mr. Bird said, I'm not gonna give you your cookie. Mr. Bird said, give me that cookie, or I'm calling the police. He's one in a hundred thousand citizens that would have stood to doing what is right under the circumstance. And he did exactly that. And the police came and the police talked to this woman, and the police apologized to this woman for being inconvenienced under the circumstance. But Mr. Bird did not relent. And eventually, what happened was the woman offered as a gesture to give the cookie back. Remember, this is the cookie that she said Mr. Bird was crazy to accuse her of stealing. So, folks, in the end, Mr. Bird was made uncomfortable. Mr. Bird was made to feel guilty for calling out a thief. Think about what has happened in 2022 in America. In 2021 in America, we watched America burn. We watched individuals who weren't prosecuted burning down our cities. It is official, the inmates are now running the asylum. And we're going to talk a little more on the day-to-day with Ben Lewis about what we as citizens can do about it. Mr. Byrd started it, but It comes down to the collective power of the people, and if the people stop taking shit, this madness that has consumed America can end, and it will end. But every sheepy American who now lies down has to stand up, rise up, and live again, or the country will be
0: no more. Well, that's a horrifying story, and I will say, I want to go on record here The woman labeled Brian Bird a racist, 100%, it came out of her mouth, and that was the first conclusion that she jumped to when she knowingly stole the cookie. Am I correct on this?
1: 100% first words out of his mouth. You are a racist. That is now a buzzword. That is now a word that can be utilized and interjected in any situation and bystanders will instantly believe that the person is racist because now in America, the sheepies have laid down the law and that is the number one utilized word on social media by this woke generation who grew up typing into their phones with no stress, with, with absolutely no difficulties in America, and they have been consumed by social media, they are married to their phones, they have never had a hard day in their life, and that is their means of feeling that they matter, this virtue signaling by calling people racist. I, more than anyone, know what's it like to be victimized under those circumstances.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we know that to be true, and in case any of the listeners don't know yet, Uh, My father here was one of the very first, if not the first, victims of the cancel culture, and we will dive deeper into that uh, later in the episode. But it really is scary, and I just want to put everyone at ease and let everybody know that I have the day-to-day team digging into the Zoe's Kitchen surveillance footage so that we can confirm and show the world that the cookie was stolen and Bird was labeled a racist for absolutely zero reason, and that is the society we live in. And thank you for telling us the story, Dad. And uh, of course, thank you to Brian Bird for allowing us uh, to shed some light on it. So moving on, <clears throat> I wanna get into Bob Saget's death. I mean, it's a horrifying situation. We, uh, I mean, it's out of nowhere. The guy, he's one of the great gifts to mankind. Uh, of course, Jewish and a legendary Jewish comedian. And it was horrifying to see him go. And I I just want to know why the details of his death are so sketchy. And it seems like every day there's some new fact coming out. And now it's, I think the latest is that he had two skull fractures. And he just went to sleep with these skull fractures and never woke up. It's very strange. What are your thoughts on it? Well,
1: first of all, uh, many of our viewers don't know that I was uh, a personal friend of Bob Saget. Uh, uh, I, I knew Bob Saget. I had several conversations with Boggs, Bob Saget. Um, Bob Saget uh, made a horrible mistake. He decided to go to Orlando, Florida, and he didn't come out alive like so many other people. Uh, Bob Saget, I'm going to tell you right here on Day to Day with Ben Lewis. I'm going to I'm going to drop this bomb. Uh, for the viewers and for the listeners. And uh, you're going to have to absorb this because this is the truth. Bob Saget was murdered. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. You don't get multiple skull fractures, I can tell you this, from falling in the shower. If you fall in the shower and you have multiple skull fractures, you crawl out of the shower, you crawl, crawl to your phone, and you call 911. You don't die in your bed. So there are very suspicious circumstances here. And we now have the M word, that's right, you heard it here first on Day to Day, both Ben and Lewis, murder. We have a murder, we have a celebrity that was murdered in Orlando. There's a giant cover-up. They are now trying to equate Bob Saget, mind you, With someone that is now a COVID death. So they're not talking about how the hell do you die in your bed with multiple skull fractures. But now the headline story is that this is a COVID death. See what they're trying to do here ladies and gentlemen. Is they're trying to make it seem like a... Uh, one of the greatest celebrities that ever lived, you know, a top five name. I mean, you've got over the last 50 years, obviously, you know, you've got Frank Sinatra, you've got Elvis Presley, and you can go down with two more names, and the fifth name on that list would uh, certainly be Bob Saget. So there's a situation here where the COVID game appears to be coming to an end. Uh, the shots, the the booster shots, uh, Everybody's being boosted, and it seems like they're being boosted with a dose of COVID because everybody that is getting this booster shot and these COVID vaccines uh, now is having COVID. So you've got the news story being that Bob Saget, a celebrity, died of COVID to keep, to keep the narrative going and to get people to line up for vaccine number four, which coincidentally is going to be released by Pfizer. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, 85% of the Congress of the United States of America have stock in Pfizer. And they're the ones that are telling you to vaccinate your five-year-old children. Although zero five-year-old children in the United States of America have been sick enough where they have been threatened with death or the like, but yet There are millions and millions of dollars to be made on this vaccine. And that's the next step here of the big game with the big government that has taken over and
0: ruined America, folks. Well, and look, fear sells. There's no doubt about it. And these people, they have to instill fear. The people in charge. Fauci needs a celebrity death from COVID in order to portray the big lie. And that is that COVID is rapidly killing people. People are dropping dead in the street. When will it end? We've gone through almost two years of this now. We've hit rock bottom as a society. And yes, Bob Saget will be counted as a COVID death in case you didn't know. I'm sure you didn't because they're covering it up like crazy. George Floyd was counted as a COVID death. This, these are facts, look it up. And it's a, it's a horrifying situation, it's scary. And what do you have to say? Well, it's, it's even getting worse. They're trying to bring this old hag, the Queen of England, in this.
1: I mean, that's uh, the latest. As uh, of today, I think. She's 96 year old years young now. This woman, uh, uh, I will give her credit. She's more lucid than President Joe Biden. But uh, they are now uh, branding her because, let's face it, nobody's ever lived to 97. Even Betty White did. Uh, uh, I uh, got a booster about an hour before she died. She was 160. But uh, let me tell you something. Th- they're bringing the Queen into this COVID here. That's how desperate they are. That if the Queen of England can die from COVID, you can too. So that's coming soon to a theater near
0: you. Absolutely. And it's it's the latest is they're dropping mask mandates like crazy. What has changed? It is that we are nearing these midterm elections, and these people need votes. They're realizing that people are furious, people are pissed off. They don't want anything to do with these masks, Republican or Democrat, because what have they seen? They've seen every one of their family and friends uh, get COVID, live with COVID, survive COVID, and the jig is up. That's just the bottom line. So that's all we have to say. Rest in peace to Bob Saget. He was obviously an incredible entertainer and an incredible person, and we're sad to see him go. So moving on here, we're going to dive into this. Uh, We have a family wedding coming up, and there's really a terrible situation, so I'll just start from the beginning here. Uh, This is a family member of mine. I was invited to the wedding. I open up the invitation. I'm excited. Uh, Of course, I was dying to go to this wedding, see the family, uh, see friends, everybody that I know and love. And there was a caveat to this invitation. Uh, There was a separate note that was put in the envelope, basically saying that a vaccine would be required. Now the wedding is taking place in New York, New York City. We all know they've had some of the toughest COVID uh, restrictions and mandates in the country. Now, what you had to do was upload a picture of your vaccine card, and you would be allowed to attend the wedding. Now, m- me myself, I have not been vaccinated. My father here has been vaccinated initially. And I very politely wrote to this family member and said, I am not vaccinated. However, well, let me start back a, a bit more. So my father here had looked into the venue of the wedding and asked very simply, you know, was a vaccine required to come in? Now, the venue said that if you had been tested for COVID within two days of the event, you would not need a vaccine. Uh, This was a relief to me. I thought, great, you know, absolutely, I'll get a COVID test. It's no problem. And I wrote to my family member whose wedding it is, in order to just clear with her and say, hey, is it okay? I'm not vaccinated. I've had an antibody test. My antibodies are through the roof. Would it be okay if I attended the wedding? Of course, I would get the test. I called the venue. Everything was cleared. It was no problem. I was uh, very quickly turned away and told that No, indeed, I would not be allowed to attend the wedding because there would be people there that are attending the wedding solely based on the fact that everybody would be vaccinated. Now, of course, they're not requiring proof of a booster shot. Now, if you've been following the CDC guidelines, if you do not have a booster shot, or maybe two at this point, I'm not entirely sure, but if you don't have at least one booster shot, you're considered not vaccinated. Which, Dad, I believe you have not received a booster shot since the original vaccine.
1: No, and the the jig is up. I got the booster because I felt that the Wuhan virus, not the booster, the original shot, that the Wuhan virus was very dangerous. People were dying from it. Then these other variants came out, and these other variants uh, were, were lo- much less symptomatic and dangerous than the original Wuhan virus. And obviously, this original... Uh, vaccine was made to prevent this virus the Wuhan virus which no longer exists so to get a booster to give you more support against a virus the Wuhan virus that no longer exists would be ridiculous and I felt it would put you at risk so I have now said that the jig is up because let me explain something when you got a polio vaccine when they developed the polio vaccine, you didn't get polio. And now you see all of these people getting this Omicron variant and being just as sick as anybody else that hasn't gotten a shot. So basically the jig is up folks. If you are getting your child and your child is five years old, you should lose custody of your child right now. If you're considering giving that person a vaccine. And first of all, Uh, we must have normalcy in America at this point. This virus is nothing more than a bad cold people that have let themselves go. That have other symptoms. They're going to be dying from anything they get. They die from pneumonia. Pneumonia is the great killer in this country. It's not on the news every night even though it is far more deadly than the Omicron virus. The jig is up. You need to let it go. Now, we're going to take a break for two seconds. I'm going to give, as we we do this right now, I'm going to give a big shout-out to one Max Bleacher. Hello, Max Bleacher! This is an honorable American. He's one of the greatest citizens ever. And if you need a home on the west coast of Florida, find
0: Max Bleacher. He's a good man. There's no doubt about it. One of my best friends, and he will be, hopefully, until the day I die. Uh, but, yes, it's the wedding situation is very discomforting, and I was shocked. And, of course, if I were to get the COVID test, we all know that I would have the greatest odds of actually not having covid At that wedding. But that, of course, common sense goes out the window. It's not discussed, and it's whatever Dr. Anthony Fauci says, if you want to call him a doctor, I guess by his degree. But it's really horrifying, and we'll miss everybody at the wedding, but, well, I will at least. And. What are you going to do?
1: I would boycott this wedding and not go. I would recommend that everybody not go. Unfortunately, I have my, my mother is coming up, and I don't see my mother, but a few times a year, she's going to be there. So I'm going because it would be disrespectful to her if I didn't show up. But believe you me, I'm going to be talking about this to some of these people, and it ain't going to be pretty because they deserve to know the truth. And as Americans, we cannot suppress the truth. We must unite.
0: Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you're a true American and a patriot, as we all are in this, uh, on this side of the family. So, diving into something that I know we both are very passionate about. We both escaped Florida within the past year or so. And Florida is a place that I think the two of us have both equally hated. Maybe you a tad more. I, I really... I, I know this is something that you still lose sleep over to this day, and we just got to get it off our chest. And I've talked about our uh, you know passion against Florida before in prior episodes. But, Dad, I just want to get your take, and I want people to hear the truth and listen to what you experienced in your years down there. Uh, let's talk about right now, it's the most de- depressing time of the year to be living in Florida because you're coming to the end of where the the fake narrative of they have gorgeous weather you know where people post uh, on Facebook Instagram Twitter everything you wish you were here uh, during the months of what what would you say is it January and December would be the two months No, December they don't do that
1: December you, people are uh, it's it, you get days that are eighty five degrees and people wear these uh, Christmas sweaters to Christmas parties and they're, they're the most miserable people in the world. I I, I had 20 years. I served 20 years in Florida. It was far worse than the, uh, four or five years John McCain served in that hole in Vietnam. So I am a resident expert about what it's like to live in Florida. And December is not a month where people brag about the Florida weather because it can be 83, 84, 85 degrees with, uh, oppressive humidity and you're trying to dress up for the holidays and you're trying to wear your Christmas sweater and the sweat is rolling down your back. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you information about Florida that's never been disclosed Uh, The people that uh, sell Florida are living the big lie and I'm I'm going to I'm gonna turn it on its ear tonight Um, before I do that I I do want to give a shout out to one of America's greatest, uh, patriots, and that would be, uh, Michael Obama. And we ask ourselves as we sit here, uh, how Michael has managed, uh, in the public eye to, uh, remain married to Barack Obama this long and to hold the family unit together. Uh, so, uh, Michael, uh, you, uh, you, 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 are lauded and you are respected because, um, it has never been revealed, um, the truth about about you you publicly use the name Michelle and you've gotten away with it for this long and we're here tonight we're, uh, we're coming clean with the American people there is no such thing as Michelle Obama our viewers our listeners and did Barack Obama do you know of one student that man ever taught at Harvard Or Columbia. Oh, they claim he was a professor at Columbia. So again, we're asking our viewers, we're asking our listeners to call in, name names, give us their email addresses. Any human being that feels that they were an actual student of this quote-unquote professor, Barack Obama at Columbia University, we want to interview you. We want you on the show. We want you on Day to Day with Ben Lewis. How is it that your professor was a president of the United States and you've never identified who you are. Anyway, so getting back to Florida, let me segue into Florida by saying I, against my will, uh, lived in Florida uh, and uh, it wasn't anything that I voluntarily chose. And what happens is people go to Florida, the majority of states, they shake off their fleas. Uh, they, uh, those individuals wind up in Florida and you have uh, people from other states that couldn't cut it uh, in the family business. They were black sheeps of the family. Many drug adder, addicts, recovering alcoholics that wind up in Florida because they're welcome there. There's so many people. If you walk around during a business day, nobody is working in the state of Florida, 10 or 20% of the people. And everybody looking for a second chance goes down there. But they're sold a bill of lies. They are told that if you come down here, you're going to have paradise, you're going to have wonderful weather, and
0: so forth. So uh, it is the big lie. Will you speak, speak, speak? It is. There's no doubt about it. And I, back to the Obama thing, I know there's going to be a lot of people that have problems with the Michael Obama comment. Barack Obama himself used to call uh, Michelle. Michael that, that and that's just the bottom line it was always strange and it caused a lot of controversy obviously there's a lot of issues over uh, And confusion over his birthplace, but when it comes to Florida, there's no doubt about it uh, It is a big lie and people convince, and it's a never-ending cycle And what it is is that people invest their life savings to go down to Florida to either retire Live the rest of their life and then what do they do? They don't have any money once they get there They spend every dime So, they're so embarrassed that they made this horrible mistake, so they can't do, they they can't say, oh, we made this mistake, it would be too embarrassing for them. So what do they do? They tell their parents, they tell their family, they tell their friends up north. They say, hey, you you, you gotta come down here, it's gorgeous, it is, and what happens? It's the never-ending cycle, it is like a clock, I mean, it goes around and around, and that's just the bottom line, it's a revolving door. And it's sad, but there are a few people that we know that have admitted that it was a horrible mistake and they've gone into whatever they have to do, debt, whatever whatever it takes to get back out. And they've done that and it's a handful of people and God bless those people. But it is, it's a scary situation. And let's get into Disney World. I mean, Uh, this is like,
1: you you, you just mentioned Central Florida. I wanna talk about, in general, when you talk about Florida, if you try and justify an existence in Florida, if there's one thing, and I will concede, there is one thing in Florida that I can't rip, I can't take apart, and that is that Florida does have nice beaches, okay? And those beaches are, are occupiable, oh out of a 365 day year a good 200 days a year because on a beach you do get an ocean breeze the high temperature is not as high as inland florida so if you want to justify and say i'm a beach person i have to be on a beach therefore i live in florida if you are that person and you believe that that is what your happiness entails then it's hard to argue with you. But I want to talk about an insidious place, an evil place, an awful place, a place that has the greatest number of idiots the world has ever known. That place is Orlando, Florida. And I want to say this is not an absolute. I unfortunately lived and gave 20 years of my life to Orlando, Florida. It was the worst 20 years. There wasn't a day that went by I didn't think of slitting my wrist and but for my family and my loved ones and my wife and my son and my dog, I I carried on. I finally got out of there when I had an opportunity. But I will tell you, if you live in a place in Florida without a beach, you are an idiot. There is no other way to describe you and your existence. It is 96 degrees in Orlando, Florida, hundred days a year with a heat index of 110. There are no beaches. So think about why you live there. You live there because of proximity to, you can't make this stuff up folks, theme parks, places that exist. Do you know what these places exist for? Children. But now, as an adult, you have to justify your existence. So you know what you do? You pay $150 to go for these children theme park days in 110 degree heat indexes. And you know what you do there? You take selfies. You take selfies of yourself next to fake castles. Do you realize there are real castles? Have you ever been to Europe? Have you ever been... Two, Germany, have you ever been to England? The magnificence of these real castles that you can go and tour that are legitimate and they're real, but yet you sit out there in 110 degrees at 35 and 40-year-olds without children, well, and you take these
0: selfies? Absolutely. I mean, you're dead on, and there's... the. Uh, oh. Let's remember why these theme parks are there to begin with. It was the cheapest, most undesirable land in the United States of America. And that's why they're there. And basically, the old saying is never underestimate the stupidity of the American public. Build it, and they will come, and they have, and in droves. And yes. it's it's a, it's scary. I mean, what, what can anybody say? I, I We lived there. I, I mean, I lived there as long as you did, 20-something years. And... I don't think we ever went once to a theme park because what is the allure? I'll never understand. You want the turkey leg for thirty-five dollars? It's it's scary. Twelve dollars for a bottle of water, but look, we did it. We survived. We got out. Thank God. And let those people suffer down there. You know, if they want to live in denial their entire life, that's on them. You
1: know, they they turn up on social media. Invariably, you will see every January and only January, this meme on social media, it is my favorite, it is the all time best, it is this, it says, we are here and it has an arrow pointing to the state of Florida with 83 degrees in January. So. What you have are people up north in the coldest month of the year in the heart of winter. Winter, which is a three-month season. It runs December 21st through March 21st. In that three-month season, unless you were in International Falls, Minnesota, or the state of Alaska, you have days that are 55 degrees and sunny within winter, within that three-month period. But you have Florida that has nine months of hellish summer. And there is no day in Florida that is comfortable May through October. There may be one or two days. The rest of the time, 180 straight days or more, you are holed up in your house, you cannot open your windows, your air conditioner is running, you are sleeping in shorts, with a sheet, you will never know the comfort of a real blanket or real down pillow or anything else that brings joy to a third of your life where you have to sleep. You're sweating, you're waiting for your air conditioner to kick in. When you leave your house in the morning, if you're one of the 3% of Floridians that has a real job and has to put on a shirt and tie and are a man, you have sweat running down your back. By the time you go into your car and your day is ruined, I live that life. I will never live that life. I will never allow my children or child to live that life. That's not freedom. This is the great term, Florida freedom, because they weren't wearing masks down there. Well, first of all, if you wore a mask in Florida's climate, you would be dead. You wouldn't survive the act of wearing a mask because of a 110 degree heat index. Well, now we have the rest of the country coming out of the mask mandates. So you're not free. You are now a prisoner of your home, 275
0: days a year, and the rest of the country is laughing at you. Absolutely, and I always say, you know, my go-to is DeSantis is temporary, humidity is forever. So uh, it's just the bottom line. Uh, you know, Florida's a swing state. Uh, hope, you know, everybody down there, I know a lot of my fan base is down there. I hope you stay conservative, but you never know in Florida. So uh, it's, it's you nailed it right on the head, Dad, as you always do. So it's, it's a terrifying situation. All I can say is thank God we got out. You're in Pennsylvania. I'm in North Carolina now. Uh, we did it. We, we made the great escape. So moving on. I wanna talk about cancel culture. And I have here, you know, everybody knows what cancel culture is at this point. It is a scary, scary phenomenon that has taken over the world. I mean, at least the United States. And it's people just basically getting blacklisted uh, over something they said 10 years ago, over something they said five years ago, over something that it really has no significance in uh today's world but it gets blown up out of proportion in more ways than we can count Uh, my dad here was the first victim of cancel culture uh, or one of the first i mean i i don't remember exactly but it happened with uh his profession at the state attorney's office he was the chief of homicides and i you know i don't want to get anything wrong so i'm just going to let him dive into it here dad i mean tell us the whole story of what went on well,
1: well th- this has haunted me for over five years. I've never given an interview regarding the facts and circumstances of this. Uh, but I will tell you, back in 2016, uh, I worked at the state attorney's office in Orlando, Florida. I was the chief of homicide. Uh, there was um, a post that I had made on Facebook and the post verbatim was on his private Facebook. It was on a private Facebook. It was not meant for human consumption, but of course we have a situation now in America where we have an obsession, an obsession with ratting on other people with our friends, our neighbors, uh, that somehow provides somebody, uh, with esteem in this country, and and, and they feel that they're gonna launch their own career by ratting on somebody else. We don't have a united country anymore. We have a divided country. We have a divided country of idiots, uh, sellouts, losers, and uh, we, we don't have the America that we once knew. But I wrote a post on Mother's Day of 2016, and essentially the post was as follows. It was about Mother's Day. And it was, uh, the post was exactly this. It was, these are the words, Happy Mother's Day to all the crack hoes out there. It's never too late to turn it around. Tie your tubes, clean up your life, and make a difference to someone out there that deserves a better mother.
0: Now, I want to preface that. Which, let me just say, the most fair statement I've ever heard. And, you know, it may not be politically correct, but... Life isn't politically correct. So continue.
1: I want to preface that and say that the, the, the fiber of America, the only chance America has at survival are the majority of two-parent homes, the majority of a mother and a father, each working together. It's not always possible. You're going to have a high rate of divorce. But if that's the basic foundation for your society, then your citizens are going to prosper because they're going to have people that are there for them when they need them. People to emphasize education, although education in America is nothing like it used to be and is almost deleterious in nature. But I'm not going to get into that tangent, but I'm going to say this. Think about that statement that I made, that crack shouldn't have children, how that would offend somebody. So basically those people then, if they're offended by that, are saying that crackhos should have children that there should be children brought into this world that don't have a mother that are raised by the grandparent the tired grandparent that the emphasis is not education that the emphasis is not a father figure discipline all of those things that made past generations great in this country think about that you would have to be saying that crackhos are the optimum parents, and the crack should be having children. But nobody ever thought of it in that manner. They saw that as an opportunity to bring a truth sayer down in this country.
0: And what was the uh, what was the punishment that they gave you? And talk about the reaction. Like how you were. I mean, you were deemed a racist because of that statement, which yeah. didn't involve race whatsoever, but just a broad category of uh, women that are addicted to crack. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, I want to talk about crack cocaine
1: and drug addicts in general. If I was called a racist, then the, what these people are saying is essentially that all black people and black mothers are crackos, that there aren't white people that take and smoke crack. So uh, when you look at crack cocaine and when you look at any drug, I have always said drugs do not find people. People find and take drugs it is the personal responsibility of the person who is ingesting the drugs to be held accountable for their action it is not society that has brought these drugs to these people it is not a race thing with drugs it is a horrible horrible thing think of if you are a young child And your mother is not there on Mother's Day because she is out working the streets, hooking, fornicating in a dumpster and what have you, and doing those taboos that exist, that people don't want to exist. They're doing everything but parenting. How dare I suggest that that is the wrong kind of parenting in our country, that I am a racist. I was... At that point, ostracized by people in my office. I was deemed a racist. I was labeled a racist. I had to do certain sensitivity training, other types of training. And your I was position suspended. Was, I was My position was taken. I was demoted three levels. And it was the beginning of the end in this country. Because at that particular time, I was the head of homicide. I'd worked 80 to 100 hours a week protecting the citizens of Orlando, Florida, I had over 50 murder trials in this case, all convictions, taking murderers off the street was deemed less important than these social justice do-gooders who were standing in line labeling somebody as a racist that made a statement, think about this, that it's a bad thing that children have
0: mothers who smoke crack. Absolutely. And look, this was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it was scary to see how things developed. And of course, this was 2016. This was when, uh, you know, Mr. Donald Trump had uh, just jumped into the political scene and uh, he was getting everybody stirred up and this was just a a horrifying situation. I mean, I remember personally, I was sitting in a hotel room with my mom scrolling through Facebook and I saw your picture come up uh, on the local news article talking about your suspension. I was in disbelief. I mean, it was just unbelievable for something so insignificant. And first of all, we never found these whistleblowers as to who sent in your Facebook post to the news and the fact that the news even picked up on this as a story it still to this day it blows my mind and uh you know what are your thoughts on who these people were that were sending you in i mean these are obviously some enemies that we'll never know well we have
1: numerous people in this country that are for lack of a better word woke jokes their sole existence is to troll the media and to look for something for them to virtue signal, for them to tattle on their fellow American citizens, uh, as a feel good mechanism for themselves and their own pathetic lives. So there are numerous people. They never had the guts. Nobody ever had the guts to say, Hey, Ken Lewis, I'm the person that called you out. I think what you did was wrong because they're not going to debate me. They're not going to go into public. They're going to hide They're sheep and the majority of Americans fall in this category right now. They have elected a sheep as president of the United States in Joe Biden. Think about Putin, how he amasses these troops on the border as somebody like Kamala Harris, who blew her way to national promises, who isn't qualified to be dog catcher, In Podunk, Minnesota, but yet she is one heartbeat, well, I'm sorry, I apologize, one quarter of a heartbeat in (laughs) Joe Biden away from the presidency. But people didn't like Donald Trump's tweets. Think about this, folks. Let this sink in. That we live in a country right now where this goes on, but you know what? The majority of you remain silent. Let the Canadian truckers and the example that they have shown uniting together and actually taking action, let them empower you that the collective power of the people is the strongest force in the United States. We're at war with our government as people. The government is not your friend. The Republicans are not your friend. The Democrats are not your friend, yet many of you, like sheep to the slaughter, line up you actually support these people. You send them money. The government is big government. We are talking about two sides of the same ass. There is no reason why these people are spending billions of billions of dollars a year printing money, which has caused inflation in this country. There's a reason why you walk in the the supermarket right now and have a $7 chicken breast. It's because these, people have printed money thinking that that is going to secure your vote. And you know what? You support these people. You continue to vote for them. You continue to reelect these people. Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, I don't care what side of the coin you're on. Every one of these people is hundred percent wrong. These people have first dollar health care. You have Obamacare and yet you vote for these people. Think about that.
0: It's a scary situation, and look, we all know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a a different result. Uh, But that is what the American public is doing, and uh, hopefully we figure it out at some point. I mean, I know you and I have. So we're coming to the end here. I just, first of all, we always pose a question of the day. First of all, I wanna say uh, that everybody needs to follow the Instagram, at D, the number two, D, Ben Lewis, B-E-N-L-E-W-I-S, not L-O-U-I-S, nobody spells it that way. We all know that at this point. Uh, Follow the Instagram. The question of the day here is, quite simple, and I, I don't know that anybody has an answer, and if anybody does have an answer, there will be a hefty reward uh, in place from us at the day-to-day studios. And that question is very simple. What exactly did Barack Obama do to deserve the Nobel Peace Prize during his presidency uh, from, I believe it was, what was it, 2008 to 2016? Uh, so. If anybody can answer me that question, it 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 stupefies us and, uh, you know, bewilders us, and we, we don't understand. But if anybody can come up with that, I'd love to hear the answer and hear your guys' thoughts. Again, just message us on the Instagram at D, the number 2, D, Ben Lewis, B-E-N-L-E-W-I-S. And uh, that's about it. Uh, all I want to cover, too, is that this is uh, a, an episode that we need to do a tribute to a very special dog in our lives and that was Mr. Watson Lewis. Uh, Watson was an incredible dog that uh, my dad had and stepmom Robin had for, uh, I, I believe, close to 12 years. And
1: Well, I, I want to say rest in peace, Watson. We put you down yesterday. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, I, I, Robin, is uh, look, I, I, she's been the best dog mother and the best wife that I could ever ask for. and. I want to thank her on this podcast. Uh, I, I have been up the entire night, languishing. I will never be the same. I will never recover. This has helped me take my mind off Watson's death. He was the best dog, the best dog on earth. So I don't want to. I don't want to belabor this because it's depressing to me. But I, Ben, thank you, and Watson, um, to, to let you all know the story. Uh, back in 2012. Um, I was living in, in Maitland, Florida, and, and, and Ben, um, I felt that he should have a dog in his life and I wanted a dog, and he was about the age where he, he could really appreciate a dog. So we, 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 I looked and I searched the country for what I thought would be the best dog in the United States because I don't settle. And I found a dog uh, in the Wheaton Terrier Rescue in Kansas City, uh, Missouri. And uh, Watson Lewis was there, and it was about January, and his spring break was coming up in March, and I said, you know, if this dog, there's something about this dog that that I just, I can't put my finger on it, but I want this dog. I don't understand why he's not getting adopted. So what we did was we waited, and then in March the dog was still there, and I had to go through a whole home review, and they ripped apart my home as everything that should not be a home or environment for a dog, and I pleaded my case, and and we were allowed to pick up Watson. And on spring break, 2012, we took a road trip to Kansas City, Missouri. We stopped at Pappy's Barbecue in St. Louis, the St. Louis Zoo. We had a, a wonderful trip. Brent, ben would have been about uh, 14 at the time, 13 at the time, and we we adopted Watson, and Watson was beaten like a drum. The dog was. He not... was abused, misused, and all of the above. And and we took him home. We drove him straight through. We stayed at a Motel 6 in Nashville. Uh, you know There was prostitution in the parking lot. There was crack cocaine smoked in the parking lot. Uh, we endured. We survived. We got Watson home. He hid under the kitchen table for several months. And then he began to emerge as the most idyllic dog you'd ever want in your life, the perfect dog, and he did nothing but give us joy for for 10 years. He was 90 pounds and he was born in, in what they estimated was August of 2009. Yesterday he was brought down uh, to Ben's place and he had been deteriorating where he couldn't get up for the last several months and he couldn't get down the stairs to to go to the bathroom. We got a vet appointment and we had some x-rays and unfortunately uh, uh, the dog had bone cancer and his leg was about to snap and he couldn't support himself with his hips because he was 12 years old and 90 pounds. So if we amputated a leg, it would have been a miserable life. So the most horrific decision we ever had to make was yesterday, Watson was put down. Uh, We have to go on. We have to fight the good fight because we have listeners who are capable of doing the right thing and uniting and we're gonna we're gonna carry on in the name of watson but it was it was the worst experience we've ever gone through as a family and we we appreciate the support of all the listeners
0: what we know for a fact is that he had one of the greatest lives that any dog could ever have post-adoption uh by you so it was uh listen rest in peace to watson and dad thank you so much for coming on the show And uh, any closing words from you?
1: Well, well, my final thought is everybody is, you know, uh, sadly, I want to tell you people, don't be motivated by money because, you know, everybody dies broke in this country. Uh, Everybody spends 80 to 90% of the time thinking about money and all of those things. And what's really important is your dog, your pet, your family, your son. There is no time like the time I spend with Ben. And all of you know from 16 episodes what a great person Ben is and to have Ben in your life. And I have the greatest life any father could ever have because I have the closest thing to a perfect son. And I do mean that. I have no stress at all with, with the son that I have in this world. Uh, so there was one thing on the way down here that I thought, if you are motiv- money motivated, I stopped at a few rest stops. So if you all want to get rich, here's a very simple invention for you and you can write in your suggestions. If you can think of a rest stop urinal where 80% of the urine is not on the floor, please let us know how to do that because you will make millions if not billions of dollars because this is 2022 and that's where we are in America. It has been a pleasure to be Ben Lewis's guest, to be Ben Lewis's father, and to address you people today. I love all of you. Thank you.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Episode number sixteen of Day to Day with Ben Lewis. Let us know what you think. Uh, message us everywhere, every social media page there is. We've got it. And uh, thank you so much. God bless and good night.